always find it a challenge to preach on Easter. I just never know how you do justice to the miracle that is the resurrection. It is what our whole faith hinges on. Without it, Jesus is just another great prophet or teacher whose sayings and teachings you pay attention to. But with the resurrection, with him coming back from the dead, it deserves, he deserves our allegiance because in him we find the truth, the power, that God can transform all of us and can transform our world. So today I'm going to assume that you, you kind of know that story a little bit. You know, the, the empty tube thing? Open the tomb and the body's gone. You've heard that before, right? This is not your first Easter and it's not your first rodeo, right? And so I'm going to rely on the account that was just read by Pastor Aaron. That is the account that Peter tells to a church in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a, a great book for Christians to learn from because it, it always boils down uh, to the simplest, the message of the gospel and the good news without complicating it. And the reason I really want to ch choose this account because it tells us that the resurrection is not just an event that happened at some point in history. And the goal is not just whether you believe it or you don't believe it, but it's something to be lived into. And in Peter's case, we hear today, it is something to give into. Here is words, I really am learning that God doesn't show impartiality to one group of people over another. You see, Peter is still integrating what that resurrection means for him and for the world. So to make Peter's account more meaningful, to, to put it into its context, I need to retell the whole story that shows up in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. And so to do so, I need to start with the Roman centurion. The centurion was a professional soldier. He was called centurion because that meant that he ruled over about 100 troops. He was stationed in Caesarea, which is that part of Palestine, right on the Mediterranean coast. He got his position not out of family connection, but because of his leadership qualities. Centurions typically rose up through the ranks. He's described as a Gentile. A Gentile, according to the Jewish understanding, were people that were not to be associated with. They were considered unclean. This centurion, Nick, this centurion, Cornelius, is somebody that is called a God-fear. And that means something unique. That means that he respected the Jewish faith. He may have actually embraced the Jewish faith and worshipped just one God. He had a reputation for being very generous among the Jewish people. And it says that he prayed to this God. And one day when he's praying, he gets a message. And the message is that he's to send for Peter, who's just about 33 miles away in the town of Joppa. And so he sends two servants and a soldier. Take note, the soldier, just in case he needs a little convincing. And sends them off to bring Peter back. Meanwhile, the next day, around noon, Peter is praying on a rooftop. He's praying just about the time that those two servants and that soldier, you're going to arrive in Joppa. And as he's praying, 
he experiences a vision, a dream. And, and that dream happens while there's a meal being prepared. It takes note to remind us that there was aroma going on. Have you ever had dreams like that? You know, external experiences kind of plant themselves in your mind and you have a dream about that? Except there's something unique about this dream. In this dream are several foods, animals that would be eaten, and most of them are unclean. They're prohibited by the law to be eaten. And, and notice the little detail that it says that they're clean and unclean, four-legged animals, which tells us that this isn't just talking about food here. This is talking about something much, much deeper. And the voice from that vision says to him, get up and eat. And Peter says, absolutely not. He has never eaten foods like this, and he never will. But the voice commands to him, never consider unclean what God has made pure. The vision comes to him three different times, and at the end of the third time, he hears a knock on the door. It's, it's Cornelius' servants and the soldier. They've arrived from Caesarea, and he lets them in, and they convince him, and the Spirit tells him to go with them to Caesarea. And when he arrives at Caesarea and comes into the home of Cornelius, Cornelius falls on his knees. Peter tells him to get up because he's just a mere man. He's not to be worshipped. And he looks around, there's a large gathering. Cornelius has got lots of friends. And Cornelius tells a story and why he sent for Peter. And Peter puts two and two together with his vision and he realized that God is trying to tell him something. Peter says, you all realize that it is forbidden for a Jew to associate or visit with outsiders. However, God has shown me that I should never call a person impure or unclean. For this reason, when you sent for me, I came without objection. Those foods were about people and associating of the clean and the unclean. And to re recognize how radical this is, it says that, that Cornelius and his household and those others with him were baptized. And then it says that Peter stayed with him several days. Peter didn't just make an appearance. Peter became his house guest with a Roman Gentile soldier. Someone just a few days before he would have never associated with. This is the decisive historic moment in the Christian faith. Because from then on, the Christian movement, which was centered just in Palestine and in Jerusalem mostly, now was going to spread throughout the whole empire. It literally would set the stage for Paul to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. It's the transforming event that leads to the first church council in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Council. You'll find that story in Acts 15. And there it describes how Gentiles now would no longer be required to go through circumcision or have to observe those strict dietary laws. All the things that were in the way of obstacles of the Christian faith were stripped so that the Christian faith could go to every culture. And I hope you can appreciate what a miracle this truly was that took place between Peter and Cornelius. You would be hard put to find two 
such different people in the world. One, a Roman soldier considered an enemy of the people by most Jews. And Peter, a fisherman. One who has such power, one who has such little power, is just an itinerant preacher, and yet they come together. A Jew whose faith was had such strict discipline, and a Roman whose people typically worshipped all kinds of gods. And yet, they have come together in this unique way. People that have clashed for decades now have been brought together through the faith. You know, it's an interesting discussion to ask which one had the greater conversion. And I'd suggest it's Peter, the Christian. Because Peter, before this, didn't fully understand that the faith is one that's going to be broadened. Do you hear his words? I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter is still learning that this religion that once separated people, restricted people, now is being broadened to include all people. And Peter's message is pretty simple here. It's about a Jesus who just goes about doing good. And, and he recalls the miracle of the resurrection. You notice that little detail where he says that he recalls eating and drinking with the risen Lord. I've always wondered, how did the risen body digest food? I don't know. I can't answer that. But that detail is said for a purpose because it tells us that when Peter sat down with the risen Lord, he realized that changes everything. That miracle means that all things can happen, even to sit down with somebody like Cornelius, somebody who just a few days before he would have not sat down with. Just as Jesus ate with sinners, now Peter is eating with those people, his people considered unclean. Jesus brought forgiveness to all who trust in his name, and now Peter is reconciling a people that had been rejected before. And isn't that the power that we need today? Isn't that the kind of resurrection we need to experience today? In a world that is so divided, that wants to choose up sides so quickly, don't we need that spirit that brings us together now? Who are the people that you refuse to associate with? Who are the ones that you have looked down upon? Who is God calling you to eat and drink with? Perhaps the best witness any of us can offer for the power and reality of the resurrection is to reach out beyond ourselves to the people that we've tended to avoid. For those of us who found much comfort in our sanctuaries, in our churches, in our denominations, to go out beyond these walls and touch and love people that we've ignored in the past. Are we listening for the voice of God? Are we open our eyes to God already at work in other people? Bruce Rigdon is a Presbyterian pastor in Gross Point, Michigan. He tells about an experience he had on a Saturday night. He was asked to perform the wedding in his church. It turned out it was the largest wedding he'd ever had in his church. And the congregation that came that evening was a very mixed congregation. 
obviously people from different cultures and, and even different faiths. And after the exchange of vows, they're going to seal those vows by sharing in the Lord's Supper. And so he went to the table and he blessed the bread and the wine. And then after doing so, he turned to the congregation and says, all those who have been baptized and who trust and love the Lord come forward at this time. And when he looked up from the table, he was shocked and surprised that almost every single person was standing. And he didn't know what to do. What's he supposed to say? Uh, those of you that aren't baptized, sit down. So he just received everyone that came to the table. And they shared in that sacrament. After the wedding, a Jewish couple came up to him and explained that they were children of Holocaust families. They lived by the rule that they would never set foot in a Christian church. But their love for the bride brought them to that occasion. And the gentleman said, when you invited people to the table and everyone around us began to move, we couldn't remain seated. We know, Pastor, it's Jesus' table, not ours. But we were drawn by some kind of love. So please, we hope that we haven't offended you or your community. But we were received at the table tonight and were deeply moved. Shortly after that confession, another couple came forward to him. It was Mustafa and Munir, originally from the country of Lebanon, which borders Israel to the north. And they said to him, so you know what our life has been like. You know about the pain and the bloodshed. And we are, of course, Muslim. Then they told how their children rose to go to the communion table, drawn explicably to follow them. He said, we know we shouldn't have been there, but somehow for us tonight... The war was over. This is the God we worship today. God is still bringing people together in miraculous ways. We celebrate the resurrected Christ, who's the Lord of Peter and also the Lord of Cornelius and anyone who desires to come to the table of our Lord. Jesus died and was raised again so that we can be raised with him in every way, just like Peter, who's still learning what the resurrection means. May we be agents of reconciliation to all who are in need of his love and community in our world today. Let us pray. Lord, may we embrace this message and especially in a day like today where Christians across the world are suffering, we pray for the people of Shiraka and ask that you somehow empower them to meet hate with love. You tell us to love our enemies. Help us to do so now. We pray for the people in our community that somehow can be ignored. People that are in need of our love, our care, our support, our help. May we be that Peter that goes called by the Spirit to bring that love and that reconciliation wherever it is necessary in our world, in our community, in our neighborhoods. This we ask through Christ who is our Lord. Amen.